You are listening to your new puppies podcast, starting you and your dog off on the right paw. Here's your host, Debbie Salento. Hello, and welcome to episode 60 of Your New Puppies Podcast. I'm Debbie, and today we are going to talk about kids and puppies. I talk about kids and puppies throughout other episodes and how to handle that relationship, but I, until now, I didn't have one dedicated to the kid-puppy relationship. And it is a pretty big topic, and it's really important. So specifically, I'm going to talk about, you know, what to expect and how it's different from what you imagine. And if you're already experiencing it, it's going to let you know that, yes, this is normal. Why it's incredibly important that we create a relationship that's fun, safe, and healthy between the kids and the puppies and how we have to intentionally do that. So I do have some recommended house rules for you and then a whole bunch of tips on how to help and manage this relationship. So I am specifically going to talk about puppies and children in the same household. So if you're preparing for a puppy or if you already have a puppy and you have kids, this episode is going to be great for you. Now, even if you don't have children in the household, we still want to expose our puppy to kids. So you're still going to experience some of these things that I'm going to talk about and you're still going to need to manage and have some rules that I'm going to talk about. So this will still be very beneficial for you. But for the purposes of this episode, I'm going to assume that it's the children in the household with the puppy. In fact, you probably got the puppy for the kids. And I find the most common ages are around between 4 and 12 years old because they're old enough to enjoy the puppy. Maybe they're old enough to, you know, help out with the puppy. And we'll talk about that in this episode as well. And you imagine them, you know, playing in the backyard, maybe cuddling on the couch, entertaining each other in the living room. But unfortunately, that's not the reality. You know, we think about kids and puppies and we think they go together like, you know, peanut butter and jelly. But the reality is, is that they they actually don't. Because the way that kids want to play and the way they act and the way puppies want to play and the way they act actually cause a lot of friction. And because we don't expect it, because the kids don't expect it, it can be very disheartening and it can add a lot of frustration to the experience. I mean, this is best explained by this video that we have of Ollie, my dad's dog, when he was a puppy, it was like the first week he was home with us. And my nephew, Ian, who was seven or eight at the time, they came to visit and they wanted to meet Ollie. And we have a video of Ian running through the yard with Ollie. I mean, it is what you imagine, like frolicking through the fields, kid and dog running together. And then they both stop and collapse to the ground and... Ian's sitting there rubbing Ollie's stomach and they're cuddling. Like, it is what you imagine. Nobody planned it. We grabbed our phones out for it. It's really an amazing video. But what that video doesn't show you is that not five minutes later, Ollie got a little overexcited and started jumping and nipping at Ian. And he actually went and hid in the chicken pen and didn't want to play with Ollie for the rest of the day. Nobody grabbed their phones out for that. But 
that is a very typical relationship. That one second, it's all cupcakes and rainbows. And the next second, your kids want nothing to do with the puppy because they jump, bit, scratched, or chewed one of their toys or something happened. So the reason why this happens is, yes, your puppy sees the kids as their littermate, as their playmates, and that's actually okay. And we're going to talk about that as well. But we do have to teach them how to play together. And that's because, you know, the puppy's teeth are incredibly sharp. They will scratch skin. They will draw blood. All of that is normal because those are little knives inside their mouth. And it's going to hurt us, the adults, never mind kids who have more sensitive skin. They're also shorter. So they're more on the puppy's level. So not only does that get the puppy even more excited, but they're more accessible. So when they're jumping and nipping, they're getting their face and like their shoulders and their arms, where if we're an adult, all we have to do is stand up and like, hopefully we're wearing jeans or something and it's not as invasive to us. It also takes a lot of patience and a lot of self-control to deal with a nipping puppy. And our kids don't have that. And we can't expect them to have it. And the puppy also has no self-control. So, you know, the kids come running into the living room. They're very excitable. The puppy gets all super excited. And all of that leads to overexcited puppies and crying children. And it is not all doom and gloom. Do not get me wrong. I am just here preparing you for what you may not expect. It's going to be wonderful and it's going to be great, but that stuff you don't need to be prepared for. I don't need to train you or prepare you for the good moments, but there are going to be some ups and downs throughout the puppy's first year probably. So how do we handle this? How do we handle this kid-puppy relationship, especially when things do go wrong? When it comes down to it, It takes a lot more management and refereeing from the parents than you would expect. Because when it comes to nipping and this rough play with a dog or a puppy, it takes a lot of patience. I mean, we'll lose patience. I'll lose patience with the puppy when they get super nippy. So we're not even going to expect our kids to have that patience. We need to step in which also means when the kids and the puppy are playing together, adults have to be there. You have to be supervising. You have to be able to have enough access where you can step in. Because our ultimate goal is going to be to create a relationship where the kids are the puppy's best friend. We don't want your dog to ever think anything negative can happen when kids are around. We have to build up your dog's tolerance to children Because, you know, it's kids who will stomp their feet at the dog, grab the dog, try to hug them. Maybe even if you have a super young kid tries to pull on their tail. And this can be kids in the household or even kids that they meet on the street. And those are all things that as an adult dog, if they're not used to children and don't absolutely love children, those things can go bad. So we still have this goal where they're best friends. And plus, I mean, that is what we, not only what we want, but also necessary to have that safe and healthy and fun relationship. So how do we do this when this nipping and jumping a rough play actually creates tension between the kids? So these are a few rules 
that I always highly recommend for my clients with children in the household. One, the kids never, ever, ever take anything away from the dog. I don't care if it's the kid's own toy. They are going to call mom, call dad, call the adult in charge to come and take the, the toy away. Same thing if the puppy starts doing something the kids don't like. They do not discipline the dog at all. So if the dog starts jumping and nipping, they lift up their hands and they call mom, they call dad, they call the adult in charge. And that's why you're going to have to be there for when that happens. The kids can be little tattletales for the puppy because it is not very, just be, just like they don't discipline or tell their siblings yes or no, or their friends yes or no, they don't discipline, reprimand anything with the puppy. So this is where it goes back to, yes, we want the puppy and the kids to be peers. We just have to work on that relationship. And so that's so that's the first thing. When things are going wrong, they call the adult in charge, whether that's mom, dad, Aunt Debbie, and it can even be an older sibling. Um, 14 and older usually can have the same responsibilities as an adult. You know, that also depends on your family dynamic. I know being the youngest of three, if my older sibling was allowed to do something and I wasn't, I might have a problem with that. But hopefully, maybe your youngest aren't, you know, as bratty as I was. Anyway, so that adult takes care of it. The other one is the crate is a do not disturb area. I have a little sign that I have my clients color and decorate that says do not disturb and they put it right near the the puppy's crate. It can even be their bed. And when the puppy's in the crate, when the puppy's on their bed, we do not disturb them. This works in so many ways because one, it gives you the adult, the parent, a boundary. It's like, nope, the puppy's in the crate. We're not playing with him now. You have to go play somewhere else. And that gives gives you a nice little boundary and rule ready-made for the kids. Um, Or if the kids won't leave the puppy alone, okay, you know what? Let's give him a toy. Let's give him a bone. Put him in the crate. Oh, it's do not disturb time. This will also help your puppy and your and your eventual adult dog, where if they learn, when I go into my crate, when I go onto my bed, nobody bothers me, it's going to give them a little reprieve. And you might actually find when they start to get overwhelmed and don't want all the excitement, they go and they lay on their bed. That's why even for adult dogs, this is one of my top rules that I like families to have with young kids. And then the other rule that I find is super useful is that the kids always approach the dog with a toy. If you want to go play with the puppy, you have to grab a toy. This is where my toy box method comes into handy. If you don't know it, it's essentially your dog only gets a few toys out because they can only play with one at a time. And the rest of the toys are in a box and out of reach because a puppy only has to not see a toy for, I don't know, three days. And it's like a brand new toy to them once they see it again. So this way, you always have a stash of new toys. So you always have a stash of toys that the puppy's going to get more excited about than the toys that are laying on the ground. So sometimes it's fun to have the kids have their own special toy box, no adults allowed, and it helps remind them, okay, I'm going to grab a toy and then go play with the puppy. Now with even 
all of these rules, things are still going to go wrong. You know, there's still going to be, um, you know, your specific household's needs. Some puppies are just nippier than others. Some kids just have less patience than others. Um, I find the more sensitive kids have a lot more trouble with this. So some other tips that can help you is when they're playing with the dog, if they're higher up, so if you have them sit in a chair and play with the dog, which, okay, might not be as much fun, but the puppy is less likely to be able to kind of like jump and get into their face. And um, being on the ground is just more excitable to them. So it can keep the excitement down and there's just less access to the more sensitive parts of, of the body. Playing structured games is always, always a good idea. This can be Rover Round Robin, which I talk about in episode four. And there's even a download to to get the directions of that game. I can link to that in the show notes. I also have another page that has 11 different activities to do with the dog to give you some ideas. I'll link that to that in the show notes of this episode as well. I'll tell you how to get all of that at the end. I've come to really love the flirt pole, which is essentially a big fishing pole with a toy on the end. So there's a lot of space between the kids and the mouth of the dog. So the kids can kind of have the dog chase the toy around, but there's this pole and a springy rope between them and the puppy's mouth. Of course, it is a pole, so we want to use that with caution inside a small room. Training, skills training. In fact, you can put the kids in charge of their training. So when the adults in the household, you know, train the dog like to do specific commands, sit, down, stay, like the the basics, you're going to want to do it the standard way. You know, create a good foundation, come away from the treats, you know, as soon as they learn the behavior. But with the kids, they don't have all of those rules. They can give them as many treats as they want. The dog doesn't have to fully sit as long as there is, it is relatively structured. And then you develop that relationship with, you know, the kids and the dog where, you know, the dog is excited to to learn and, you know, the kids can tell them to sit. I've had many clients where the children, where the dog actually listened to the children more than the adults because the children were the ones that were in charge of all the obedience training. Now, when things do go bad, when there's crying, when there's an overexcited puppy, when the situation just isn't, is out of hand. As I mentioned before, we're going to have the kids call mom, dad, or the adult in charge, and you're going to intervene. And a lot of times it might just come down to separating them. All right, I know you want to play with the puppy right now, but now is not the time to play. Or maybe the puppy wants to play, but the kids have homework to do. Okay, no, we got to, you know, the kids go upstairs, the puppy stays downstairs, the puppy goes in his crate, the kids go outside, whatever it is, like maybe it's just not time for the two of the two groups to play. And the last thing I wanted to mention um, goes back to when the puppy is nipping, usually with the adults, I'll say freeze, tuck your arms, turn your back. That doesn't always work with the kids because again, once the puppy's jumping, it's very, it's it's still very invasive for the children. So a lot of times you just go straight to walking out of the room for the kids. Now, if the puppy then goes bouncing after them, that's when the adult in charge kind of 
will intervene, holds the puppy back. Maybe the puppy's even um, dragging a leash around so you can just kind of step on it so the kids have enough time to just duck out of the room. And maybe that's when they grab the toy. Maybe the puppy just has to chill out for a second and then they can try to come back in and start the game again, maybe moving to a structured game. Okay, none of this is perfect. It's just the nature of their relationship. Okay, so I do have other resources for you. I have a couple places where you can find ideas for activities for the kids and the dog. There's also a couple other episodes where I talk about the kid-dog relationship some more. There is also a video on YouTube that was created by the family dog who I have worked with. I, I use their programs. That is one of the most powerful videos that I've ever seen. It really gives you a view of what it's like to handle a dog and the kid and how you kind of have to respect both those spaces as the parent, as the adult. So anybody who's going to have their dog interact with kids at any point, I highly recommend watching this very short, powerful video. And so I'm gonna just link to all of those in the show notes for this episode. So to get all of those resources, all you have to do is go to playtimepause.com forward slash episode 60. So it's playtimepause.com episode 60. And that is all I have for you today. If you are enjoying this episode, you can rate and review it and that helps other dog owners find the podcast. If you want to continue training with me, I offer in-person sessions in the North Jersey area. I also have video sessions no matter where you are. And if you are bringing a new puppy home, I have a four-week online digital puppy course for new puppy owners called Your Perfect Puppy, where you get four weeks of lessons and and at least 12 months access to me to answer all of your training questions. To find out more about that, you can go to playtimepause.com forward slash puppy. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be speaking with you soon. Bye for now.